tonight instead of waiting till Wednesday because trying to stay on schedule and uh, we had a, a missionary from the Philippines a few weeks ago so I'm trying to keep the schedule going and so <coughs> if you brought your book you can use it if you didn't bring a book and, and there isn't a book for you to, to have uh, we're going to be using the Bible of course and we've just been going through different topics issues and different issues and there's lots of them more than just the ones in this little book and so if you would I'd like you to start in uh, with me over in uh, Luke chapter 1 Luke chapter number 1 <coughs> Luke chapter number 1 and it begins with the miraculous pregnancy of Elizabeth, who was an older woman who happened to be a cousin to Mary. And uh, it says in verse 24 of Luke 1, Zechariah and Elizabeth had never had children, and in their old age, they're going to have a baby, and that baby would be called John the Baptist. In verse 24, it says, And after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, that would be the sixth month of her pregnancy, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her and Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country and with haste into a city of Judah and entered in the house of Zacharias and saluteth Elizabeth <coughs> we this morning read in Matthew chapter 1 where the angel visited Joseph and told Joseph that Mary was going to have a baby and that and he already knew that but that that baby was not anyone else's baby but the promised virgin born son of God prophesied in Isaiah and the angel in Matthew chapter 1 quoted the passage in Isaiah, Behold, a virgin would conceive and bear a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. And so, as I said this morning, if any two people deserved a visit from an angel to have an explanation, it was these two. <clears throat> and Mary is told that she is pregnant, that she is going to deliver a baby nine months from now. And not only that, but shock of all shocks, her old cousin Elizabeth is pregnant also, and she's already six months along. Because with God, nothing shall be impossible. And if you were to turn to Matthew 1, you don't need to, but if you return back to Matthew 1, you'll remember that it, the Bible says that Joseph, before the angel visited him, 
was troubled because she was pregnant, because he thought it hard to do anything to her. What does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, a woman that was unfaithful to her marriage, and when you were espoused, when you were engaged, it was as firm as marriage. You were you were guilty of obviously fornication and and having a relationship with someone else before your marriage, which was a violation of the vows that you made to the fiance you had been espoused to. And so technically he had the right to turn her in and have her stoned to death. In Matthew chapter one, it says he thought hard to, he was troubled and didn't want to do anything to her and to thought instead of put her away privately. And so we see the trouble that Joseph had until the angel told him what was going on. We see here the message that Mary received. And it doesn't say that Mary thought these things. And so I'm not saying that she did. But I thought, I wonder if after the fact, on her way to visit Cousin Elizabeth or somewhere between the day the angel talked to her and nine months later, if she realized what an unwed pregnancy was going to do to her life. nobody in here including me and thinks that she ever thought about abortion if anybody had an excuse to say I didn't ask for this and I don't deserve this this is going to change my life it was Mary and Joseph this was an unplanned pregnancy wouldn't you say And so tonight's message, is topic, is on the subject of abortion. And since we're right there, let's go ahead and see what happens in Luke chapter 1. As soon as Mary gets to the door of Zacharias and Elizabeth and salutes, that means she hollers out or yells, Hello! Verse 41, It came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary... The babe inside of Elizabeth leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So Elizabeth said, as soon as I heard your voice, my baby, John the Baptist, did a backflip and leaped for joy at the sound of your voice, knowing that within you was Christ. Interesting, isn't it? You've heard me say, and I know there are other stories besides mine, where I've talked about a family that I knew years ago in Newcastle who uh, ended up having twins, a boy and a girl. And before the twins were born, before they even knew they were going to have twins, the sister of the mother would always come and visit. And the sister of the mother would put her hand on the baby and she'd always say, how's Pookie doing? Hello, Pookie. And she'd pat the stomach. Hello, Pookie. How you doing in there? And, and that was kind of a joke, but it didn't go on for nine months. They stopped calling him Pookie after a while, especially when they found out there were two Pookies. But eventually the twins were born. And one day, years later, when the twins were old enough to even communicate, they saw both of them pointing at their bellies and, and saying pookie to one another. I don't know where they got that from. I remember 
people marveling at how quiet Caleb could just lay in the bassinet next to the piano while his mom banged on the piano. And we said, well, he's been doing it for nine months. Because life doesn't start at birth. I mean, Jesus' life, we know, didn't start at Bethlehem. But Jesus existed even before Mary was was with, with child. But life for human beings, other than Christ, of course, life begins at conception. Let's go to Psalm chapter 139. Psalm 139. And read here some things that would tell us and indicate those things. There's plenty more than even what I'm going to give you tonight. But Psalm 139 and verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. David is talking about how God sees him and knows him and, and, and understands everything about him. Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! David said, In your book of life I was recorded before I was born. In your book of life, you already wrote down what I looked like before anybody else knew what I looked like. Life begins at conception, not at birth. As of the writing of our book in 2005, there were over 46 million abortions performed in America. That means for every two babies born, one baby was killed. So one-third of all babies that had been conceived in America in the last uh, 50 years, one-third of them have been aborted. But the number isn't 46 million anymore because now we're 2022. The number is over 63 million. And those are the ones we know about. That's 1.4 million a year, at least 4,000 a day or every 20 seconds. Abortion may be legal in man's eyes and man can make lots of things legal including a redefinition of marriage as they're doing right now but it still breaks god's law no matter if they call it legal or not okay thou shalt not kill and abortion is murder abortion promotes killing millions of people who claim to be pro-choice are really pro-death it's interesting that it's pro-choice and anti Abortion, making one sound negative and the other sound positive. Abortion is barbaric behavior. Certainly a woman has a choice, but honestly that choice is made long before the conception, not after conception. And it is very selfish and very irresponsible otherwise. You say, but what about rape or incest? Studies have been done to show that very few abortions are performed because of rape or incest. It's mainly for convenience and what else goes along with that? Abortion promotes killing. Abortion promotes child abuse. After all, the attitude that abortion promotes about life, it becomes very cheap, and the detrimental effect it has on the human conscience has done nothing but increase the abuse of children. And so life becomes cheap. That's the whole concept behind it. And abortion promotes 
child abuse. Before 1973, when abortion was being argued and, and, um, and made legal in 50 states of America, they actually argued and said it would decrease child abuse because we'd have less unwanted children. That's not the case. There are more, there's much more child abuse today than ever before, and abortion promotes it. Abortion, obviously then, as I've just been talking about, devalues life. It was about 11 months ago, and I, I don't remember which state it was in, but it was just 11 months ago that an 18-year-old woman went to, in, to a dumpster behind a, uh, a warehouse and threw a bag in the dumpster. And then there were three people that were dumpster diving a few hours later looking for treasure in the dumpster, and this was all caught on security camera. And they were digging through the garbage in the dumpster, looking, and, and the, the woman happened to hear something, and she was curious, and they pulled out of this garbage bag, they pulled out a baby that had been born and was alive for a few hours, still alive and making noises inside that bag. Of course, they were absolutely horrified, and they called the police, and then you can, you can still look this up and see this on video. And uh, I think they were able to try and figure it out and traced, trace this young 18-year-old girl. And of course, you can be angry with the 18-year-old girl, and we certainly should be appalled and shocked at what she's done. But every time I hear a story like that, and that's not the only one, there are a lot of dumpster baby stories. But every time I hear a story like that, I can't help but think, what's the difference in that 18-year-old's brain versus the dumpsters filled with fetuses all over America? What's the difference in her mind? Abortion devalues life and if they'll do it to the unborn and harmless it won't be long before they'll do it to some of you old geezers when they decide that you're not really worth a whole lot anymore either and they call that euthanasia with the blood stains of millions of babies on our land we have devalued life violence and murder plague our nation because we have devalued life and we've taught our young people a devalue of life Again, one abortion for every 20 seconds. And as I've already started and stated, life begins with conception. Let's establish that as a fact. Psalm 139, verse 13. It says, in my mother's womb. You go on to read and it says, I was made in secret, curiously rotten, the lowest parts of the earth. Verse 15, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. By the way, if the book of life records every life conceived, then that means every aborted person still is recorded as being a life that was taken in God's book. It doesn't matter what the rule books down here say. In God's book, that was a life that was taken. Okay, And we'll let the God of all the universe make the final judgment on about that when there is conception a one cell life is developed that one cell contains 46 chromosomes 23 from the mother and 23 from the father aside from the nourishment that the mother's body gives the baby that life is independent of mother and father a baby has a different bloodstream than the mother a baby is a separate body than the mother it's not her body it's a separate body that her body is feeding. In Jeremiah 1 and verse 5, God says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, 
I sanctified thee. So God, again, is indicating to us, to Jeremiah, before you were born, I already knew you and had sanctified you and had set you apart for a purpose and had a design and a plan for your life. It's clear that God recognizes that life begins long before birth. When does life begin? Life begins with conception. And so as a young person, I didn't think much about all this. You know, I'm just a selfish, self-absorbed, you know, young person, and I'm not really thinking about things clearly. You know, but the fact is, is that this is a robbery of a life. And it doesn't matter if we've determined that, well, scientists have determined through x-ray or whatever scans that this baby has real abnormal issues and deformed uh, problems and health issues. And they're going to be born with lots of handicap issues and stuff like that. And we're doing them a service. Listen, that's not our job. Again, what happens when they decide that Delmer is too decrepit? What happens when they decide Larry's too decrepit? What happens when they decide you are too old and decrepit and handicapped to be a good, any good to society and you're just a burden to the rest of us? This is a devaluation of life because we've rejected the giver of life. The real sin, though, is that we are sinning against God who gave life. And let me just say that even deformed or handicapped babies are a blessing from the Lord, and it's his decision on that. And God's got a purpose for that. And who is who are we to play God? Um, there's a couple of videos that you could probably find on the internet. <clears throat> one is called 180. And another one is called Blood Money. The one called Blood Money is a documentary in, in interviewing a woman who used to work for the abortion industry. She testifies on the video that they purposely would give out and promote cheap birth control contraceptives that were very, very um, poor at doing what they said they would do. In other words, they didn't actually contracept very well. And so they would give these out and they, 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 they calculated it and figured out that these young girls are probably not going to be responsible enough to remember all the time to do or take whatever it is necessary to maintain a birth control. And they did the math and figured out that there's a real good chance that if we give out free birth control, we're going to end up with a lot more unwanted pregnancies because we're going to give them a false sense of security that they won't get pregnant. And then when, ta-da, they accidentally get pregnant, we can sell them an abortion. She said it was a plan. It was, a, it was something we calculated. So when you hear them, they're dispensing birth control, that's not good for society. First of all, again, that's playing God. Secondly, what are we promoting? Fornication with our young people? We have doctors here in Custer County that promote birth control. That's against God, okay? That's promoting fornication. That's promoting the idea that there's something called safe sex and anything that's against God ain't safe, let me tell you. It's wrong. Remember, the love of money is the root of all evil. I know in the recent election we just had that abortion was a big deal, I think maybe in Pennsylvania and some of the other states, and shame on these people 
who are motivated for their own selfishness to vote against a better qualified candidate because they're afraid they might lose their right to kill babies when they want to. But you know what the other reason, the real reason I think for the last 40, 50 years we've had abortion is the money. There's just so much money to be made. There are people who are super wealthy in this industry because of, of this. Much money to be had. Life begins with conception. And you can argue that till the day you die, but when you meet the giver of life, he'll straighten you out. Secondly, conception is a gift from God, as I've said. It's a gift. You know, there are people, even in our church and all in your life, I'm sure you know of people who never had the opportunity to have a baby. It's a gift, and to, and to trample on it or to treat it lightly or to assume that we can take God's gift and treat it like trash, literally. The ability to reproduce, to have a child, has always been recognized as a gift. It's not a guarantee. It's a gift. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1, when Eve uh, was, was pregnant, she said, I have gotten a man-child from the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 127 and verse 3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Life is a gift from God. And those who take life are accountable to God for their decisions. And then across the page there, the Supreme Court of the United States has made it a law that anywhere in this country, for any reason or for no reason at all, one can take the life of an unborn child. Since life is a gift from God, think about how people are accountable to God for those decisions. We can blame the Supreme Court from 50 years ago, and Supreme Court sits, but we the people we've tolerated it i happen to have been born at the end of january in 1973 just after roe v wade and so i am almost exactly the age of this legalization that took place i'm thankful to be in south dakota where i think only one city in our entire state has this and hopefully we can eradicate it and shove them into minnesota for the sake of blessing of our nation or our state at least uh, life is a gift from God. And, and, and we need to learn to just stand where God stands on the issue. Uh, the Bible tells us in Acts twenty twenty seven that we shouldn't shun to declare the whole counsel of God. I suppose somebody might be offended or might not want to go to a church where they hear preaching on abortion. And let me say that there are people who are good, godly people today who at one time in their past had an abortion. I have, I have a verse for you before we finish tonight. But ra- whether you are guilty of abortion in your past, it doesn't change the fact that we still need to talk about it. We still need to preach on it. We still need to teach on it. There are young people in this room tonight, and there are lots of people that need to understand it's a big deal. It's a big issue. I'll be honest. There was a time, I'm just being honest. I'm not saying I, I'm proud of this. But there was a time as a young teenager, I thought, well, I mean, what's the big deal? Those babies are going to go to heaven anyway. But it's still a rebellion against the giver of life. And who who am I to decide anyone else's life? It's wrong and it's wicked and it's filthy. You know, you read in the Old Testament where they, they got so wicked and so far away from God that they were actually offering babies as sacrifices. The God of Molech, this 
false god and they would offer babies to the god of Moloch and they were offering their babies as sacrifices and you've heard of the Egyptians throwing their babies to the Nile god. It's no different. We just have it a lot more sophisticated, that's all. But it's no different. We're doing the same thing. And oh, by the way, it's not just abortion that we're doing this. There is a lot of pedophilia and child sacrifice going on and there are people in our government that are in the know on this and probably in on it. It's filthy, filthy, wicked stuff. Raunchy wicked. Horribly wicked. We need to understand that God has a, an opinion about this. And we need to know every issue and understand the issues that God would have us to take the stand on. One of the great sins of any nation is the indifference of the people who stand by and never raise a voice against what is wrong. We've not pleaded the cause of the unborn as we should. We've not provided Christian alternatives for broken-hearted parents and daughters as we should. I don't know why it is that, that abortion is, can be so cheap and yet adoption has to be so expensive. And I would encourage you in any way possible to open your home and to help a family and a young lady in a situation and to, because I promise you, just through the connections that we have with other independent Baptist churches, I'm sure we could find a couple that would, that's been praying for a baby. There's no reason for us to have any other alternative. Abortion, no. How about adoption? True story that John Getch, John Getch will be with us in about a month. True story that I heard John Getch tell years ago about a, a woman named Amy married to a guy named Juan. This was years ago. They were Christian, and they were a young Christian couple. They were married, but they could not have children. They met with a lady named Debbie who, who had the same issue in her life as a young, uh, as a young newlywed and could not have children. And um, They asked Debbie, would you pray for us as, as someone prayed over you and God miraculously gave you a baby, would you pray? And so Debbie got her to pray over, prayed over Juan and Amy and Debbie prayed, and when she prayed, she prayed that either God would allow them to have a child themselves or adopt one. That same night that they prayed, there was a 15-year-old girl in Arkansas that, be, that got pregnant. Her name was Erin. She didn't have any money. She didn't have a job. She never even have a driver's license. She couldn't possibly keep the baby. So she checked into the possibility of an abortion. And a local clinic informed her that it could would cost several hundred dollars and she had a little money and managed to scrape together the rest and she <coughs> borrowed someone's car and drove it illegally without a driver's license to the clinic. She was going too fast. She got pulled over. The officer probably wouldn't even have given her a ticket except that she couldn't even find the registration papers to the car. And because of the law of the state, he had no choice but to put her in jail. She spent two days in jail and stood before the judge and and the judge told Aaron she could either pay the bail and go free or wait in jail for two more weeks. Coincidentally, the judge set the bail for the exact amount that she had scraped together for the abortion. Well, she used her abortion money to pay her bail. And on her way home, trying to figure out what to do next, she saw a sign, and it said something about ministry. She pulled in and told them, I need help. 
and a Christian worker sat down with her and led her to the Lord. And then, after being saved, she, through connections, found Juan and Amy, and they adopted a little girl named Annabelle nine months later. Annabelle means God's grace. There's always a way out. If someone says, well, well, God's so mean that forces you to just have all these unwanted babies running around. Are you kidding? For every un, you know, unwanted baby or un, you know, in, inconvenient baby, there are people out there that want them. How sad. I'm not going to give you the details because it's too disgusting. I'm just going to give you the titles, the, 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 the short description. There are different ways for abortion. There's the suction method. Communist China, I think, only allows one child per family or something like that. At least they used to. And so they just promoted abortion and forced them, especially if, depending on the gender, much like Exodus in Egypt. But the suction method would literally, like a shop vac, just suck up the baby into a garbage can. A curette method was like a tiny hoe that would scrape out the baby parts, part by part. There was something called salt poisoning, which would be injected into the womb and into the area where the baby was uh, living, and they would inhale that salt poisoning, and it would kill them and burn them. There was a cesarean, you've heard of cesarean section birth, there's a cesarean abortion where they do the exact same thing only they pull the body out and then leave it to just lay on the table until it starves to death and stops breathing again the chemical abortion you've heard of this one partial birth abortion where they pull out part of the body and then leave the head in and stab the head and kill it so that technically it wasn't all the way born before they killed it and then there's the abortion pill like RU486 and emergency contraceptions and on and on we can go. It's horrible. It's amazing. But again, the love of money is the root of all evil. The motive for it, this is going to really change my life and inconvenience me. Well, I'm so thankful that Joseph and Mary, I mean, we don't think about it. We just don't. We just don't think about how... In John chapter 8, when Jesus was 30-something years old, they said, we be not born of fornication. What were they saying? We've heard rumors about how you were born. The whispers probably that Mary had to go, you know, put up with, and Joseph as well. And <clears throat> Who do they tell? Well, it, it's God's son. Oh, sure, who's going to believe that? Wink, wink. And the inconvenience and the lack of being able to continue on his carpenter trade and having to go to Bethlehem because of taxes, because of prophecy, and on and on, it changed their life immensely. And so when people tell you that it's just going to be an inconvenience, too late to think about that. God knows and God allowed it anyway. We haven't pleaded for them like we ought to. Of course, the greatest work we can do is to win the lost to Christ and teach them God's word. I think about the young 
ladies we have that come to Anchor Club and that were in Sunday school this morning, we had some of them over for lunch today. And if we can encourage them to think godly and to fear God and and, and shudder to think, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but if one of them were to become a single mother, that it would never cross their mind that they would eliminate this baby, but they would just recognize God's humbling in their life. Could very well be that that baby that's going to inconvenience you is actually going to be the greatest thing that ever happened to you. The person who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ will follow him, and they'll not want to have an abortion. A tidal wave of awful guilt is sweeping across this country. I, I think, as I said this morning, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's why there's a lot of alcoholics and druggies. People are just trying to get rid of the guilt. People are just so under the guilt of, of having had done something like this, and they're just so ashamed and full of guilt. Abortion is only one sign of the moral ruin, but it is certainly one of the signs. It's time for Christians to pray and to be faithful and stand for the truth. And when they say, it's my body, it's my choice. Well, two years ago during COVID, and even now with vaccines still being pushed, my body, my choice doesn't seem to be a big deal anymore. How hypocritical is that? But look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. If you're a Christian, let me just remind you of something in verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you and which you have of God? And you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. First of all, if you're a Christian, it's not your body. It's his body. He redeemed you. It belongs to him. And we're to glorify him with our body. Secondly, it isn't really even your body it's a separate body but I want you to look back before we close tonight at verses I read this morning in verse 9 praise God for his grace and forgiveness I have talked to Christians who have wept as they confessed to me that earlier in their life they had an abortion I have no desire to make them feel one bit more guilty than they already feel and praise God for these verses that I read this morning, and I'm going to read them again. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know what's beautiful about being a Christian? I'll give you an example of how beautiful being a Christian is. There's a man named Saul. He was an avid religious Jew, and he hated these Christians who were ruining his Judaism religion. And Saul was involved with the killing of Stephen, I can't say the Bible says verbatim, but it would indicate that Saul is guilty of helping at least, if not himself, being involved in the death of Christians. We know he was there when Stephen was stoned. 
Saul himself said, I am the chiefest of sinners. But God saved Saul, and eventually his name was changed to Paul. And you know what's beautiful about being a Christian? The people like Stephen that Paul helped send to heaven early were there to greet him when he got there and welcomed him with cheers. That's amazing. That's what Christianity is. And you might be guilty of sending someone to heaven early. But you know what? There's forgiveness in the grace of God. What a beautiful thing that God is forgiving and loving. What a beautiful thing that no matter what we've done, no matter what we're guilty of, there's hope. I've been told, and certainly I don't know because I've not experienced it myself, but I've been told that women who have had abortion tend to have mental issues from it for the rest of their life. It just plagues them and it haunts them. And oh, the only help and the only hope and the only salve is the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. The answer is not a pill. Pills and science don't fix our sin problem. I wonder, as many of you have heard this already, I wonder how many of our great Americans were one-third that got aborted. 63 million. You have to wonder. We won't know till we get to heaven maybe to know the answer to that. We're constantly being told and it's being pushed on us all the time and it's almost on every continent. Uh, memorials like the Holocaust Museums all over the place and other memorials. But 63 million is over 10 times what they say were killed in the Holocaust. Where's the museums for them? God knows and God's keeping track. The Bible says in Hebrews that Abel's blood was spilled on the ground and his blood still cries out. He being dead yet speaketh. I can't help but think that all these innocent babies and their blood is crying out as well. But God will straighten it out one day. We can trust him for that. Let me close tonight in prayer. And we'll go on. Lord, we thank you for your word.